Herb Halpert, the team on the brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. The guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio is Fangraphs prospect analyst and the author of our uh, organizational top 15 prospect lists, that inveterate Canadian, Mark Hewlett. And what follows, Mark Hewlett and I uh, discuss some of those more recent top 15 lists uh, that I mentioned for the sort of person who would care. Uh, here's a list of uh, players whose names we invoke. Uh, let me think. Uh, Texas prospect Martin Perez, Atlanta prospect Julio Tehran, Pittsburgh prospect Luis Heredia, Tampa Bay's Annie Romero, uh, two players from San Diego, both uh, third base prospect Jed Jorko, G-Y-O-R-K-O, Jorko, and Robbie Erlin. Oh, and also uh, Tampa Bay Rays outfield prospect Mikey Matuk. Those are the highlights, of course, um, as is uh, customary, we plumb the depths, uh, so it's not just uh, superficials covering all of those names. That's exactly what happens. Uh, in any case, yeah, let's uh, let's just do it. Let's start. Uh, it is Fangraphs Audio. It does feature prospect analyst Mark Hewlett, and it certainly begins right now. I guess mostly say you can you can do anything you want. I guess as long as it's not audible. Do you guys have Miranda? Do you have Miranda uh, rights in? We in, do. Is it the same thing or? I think the wording's a little bit different, but it's the same idea. Um, not to bark up this tree, but uh, is it is the difference in the wording that um, that the arresting officer will say a every now and then? <laughs> It could very well be. I can honestly say I haven't had them read to me. <laughs> good. That's good. You're a father. I'm concerned and, uh, maybe you have, but, uh, you know. Uh, no, only uh, only in role-playing situations. I see. Sexy role-playing situations. I was going to say with the wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well no, don't, don't, let, don't let her know. Is it a, oh, my, okay. My oh, younger yeah. days. Sorry. What was I thinking? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a, it's a good beginning. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. How you doing, Mark? Uh, not too bad. Just got inside from trudging through the snow. Yeah, you do. Yeah, that's what you do there. That's what we do here. Uh, well, it's what you do there today. Uh, I will say, um, as has been discussed, we live on roughly the same latitude. Yes, we do. Yeah, and uh, we had a uh, – here in Madison, Wisconsin, which uh, just so the listener knows, I'm not from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I, I have no – I bear no ill will against it, but I'm not from there. Um but I do live there, and uh, yeah, and I believe uh, Hewlett, you and I have discussed how Madison and um, your uh, hometown. I think it's 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 either London or the other Hamilton, maybe. It's London. London, yeah. Uh, that is a, on a similar um, similar lad to which a lot of Americans don't always know. We forget that. It's true. Yeah, yeah. But now we've established it uh, for for the world to know. So there it is. Is Madison, Wisconsin, in the uh, the track of the big storms going on today? The storm passed through yesterday. Yeah, so we had uh, yesterday. we had considerable precipitation. There's a lot in the way of precipitation, Hewlett. All right. Well, I guess we got your precipitation because ours came through last night and this morning. Yeah, that sounds like, uh, precisely what happens. That's what happens with clouds, I guess. It's true. Always moving easterly or generally moving easterly. Um, there we go. That is the uh, that is the meteorology portion of uh, Fangraphs Audio. Yeah, apparently, uh, apparently we're branching out to a new website. Yeah, that's right. Fangraphsweather.com. That's right. Yeah, right. Weathergraphs.com, maybe. Ooh, yeah. even better. Yeah, we'll put. Yeah, we'll put the, I just took weather and put graphs at the end. That that might be taken. Sure. Listen, do you want to talk about? Uh, do you want to talk some? Uh, talk about some top fifteen lists? 
Let's do it. You've been producing these steadily, uh, you, prospect analyst Mark Hewlett for, uh, uh, for Fangraphs. Um, let's see. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know, maybe you've done six or seven or eight since we last spoke. I don't know precisely the number. How many do you have left, though? Um, I believe I have nine left. Nine left. Okay. Let's do a little count here. Yeah. So build them up. Certainly uh, doing math on air is, uh, I mean, a mix for quality uh, radio content, quality podcast especially, content. Especially with the heckler. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, nine left. Nine left, okay. And what's your goal? What's your goal to get these done by? Uh, well, I've been pacing about two a week. Okay. So that's going to put me right around the beginning of March, I think. That's fair. Um, I accept I'd like to get uh, maybe a couple of weeks in where I can get three done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I accept it. I appreciate that. Good. Uh, let's talk about some lists. Uh, I sent I you some names. I sent you some names. I did not send a list or some names, so all of them will be... All of them will be a great surprise. Mm, where should I start? You know, actually, I want to start uh, considering two different or two players, but maybe uh, players who have similar situations, and both of whom receive what might be considered, given their uh, recent performances, what might be considered optimistic rankings. Optimistic rankings. Uh, those two, uh, they're, they're both pitchers. One in the Brave system, um, and one in the Rangers system. You ranked Julio Tehran. Uh, still, still rather a young right-hander in the Brave system. You ranked him first overall in the Brave system, um, and then Martin Perez, uh, um, who uh, both, no, both of these pitchers have had time in the majors and uh, have not necessarily posted excellent performances there um, in their during their brief time. But uh, you you rank Martin Perez uh, third in a in a rather deep Rangers system. So may, maybe they're not the same to you. Uh, to my uh, Lesser trained eyes, they were the same in in the sense that uh, they seem to have sort of stalled uh, right before the major league level. I'm curious about those rankings, uh, if if I've caught on to something that they're in similar situations or how their situations might be different. Um, yeah, I, I guess they're a little bit different. Um, Perez started off really really strong early on in his career um, and got maybe a little bit too much prospect hype early on and as he's kind of gone up through the ranks people have realized he's more of a you know a, a number three kind of kind of pitcher as opposed to a future number one or two and uh you know he, he's a good prospect uh he's not a huge guy but he's left-handed and uh you know he's got good command good control he's got a good repertoire um so it's just a matter of i think maybe the hype didn't quite match the overall package uh, and that often happens uh, a lot. And then with Tehran, it was more um, he he tried to do too much, I guess, uh, to some degree in uh, 2012. He's battled, battled some injuries as well, but in pe- speaking with people who would know his situation a lot better than I would, uh, it seems that they, they felt it was less about his health than more about him just maybe getting to that level where he's almost ready for the big leagues and tried to do a little bit too much and got away of what kind of got him to the upper levels of the minors in the first place. What uh, What is it that got that did get Tehran up to the upper levels? What got him up there was, uh, you know, very good, very good fastball um, and some above-average control for his age. And then uh, 
Now, is that a, is that a sort of thing? I'm, I'm going to guess it's not. Uh, if, if you have those two things, um, those same things are good to have if you're a major league pitcher, but uh, they perhaps uh, would not make you the complete package. Where uh, where else does he stand? I mean, what, what does he need to develop before he can become a successful major leaguer? So basically, to become a successful big leaguer, he's got to become more consistent. Um, he's got to have better command of his fastball. So he's got good control overall, but his command needs work. And he just needs to uh, round out his, his repertoire, too, and, and get more consistent with the curveball and improve the changeup. Now, my, under- my understanding is that his changeup uh, at least flashes plus, if not, if not constantly. I've seen both pitches show potential to be plus pitches, personally. Um, I think that from the scouting community, um, generally speaking, they tend to favor the curveball. Uh, but myself, I have seen a lot of potential in both. That word consistency that you use, you say needs to achieve some consistency. That's um, uh, That may or may not be a problematic word. I, I know certainly when Joe Morgan uh, used it, when he was a, a, a color commentator on ESPN baseball broadcast, it was it was problematic for him, or at least, uh, the, you know, I guess the way he used it. What do you mean? Uh, what do you mean by consistency? So consistency, when I reference it, would mean he needs to show the same kind of command, the same kind of control, and the same um, stuff from inning to inning and game to game. So he needs to not just be dominant in you know a stretch where he goes really well through the month of May, and then June and July he completely falls apart, loses his maybe his arm slot or um, you know something that causes a mechanical problem, which then filters down to command issues. So he's just got to become more consistent overall in the results that he's producing. So he needs to become more machine-like, like a maybe like a T1000 or a or other some manner of a fictional um, um, fictional robot character. Yes, the, the, the less human, the better. The less human, that's good. Right? <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, you know, uh, uh, going back to Perez, you mentioned uh, with regard to Perez that uh, some of his early his early work uh, received it didn't just receive attention, but perhaps received a a certain sort of attention or volume of attention um, that maybe was not commensurate with his actual ability. I'm curious what what sort of a, is it performance based? Uh, is that the sort of thing that creates that sort of attention? Is it stuff based? Uh, you know, I guess generally speaking, but with regard to Perez in particular? I think with him it was that he came out at such a young age and had good numbers, and his stuff was good at, at an early age. And there was a feeling that there was projection there where he would get he would get better and possibly maybe even grow a little bit because, you know, you're talking about a guy who started to get attention at 16, 17, 18 years old. And... and a lot of people will say, well, you know, he may be able to add 20 pounds on his frame and, and two inches on his height, and then you've got a real a real fire, fireballer there. Whereas he, you know, he's he's a decent size, but he hasn't really added a lot of projection, or, or his projection hasn't really filled out the way that some people thought it would. And those great numbers in the low minors when he was in his teens have kind of maybe not been there as much as people thought they would be 
now that he's 21, 22 years old. Now another another picture, um, and I, I don't know actually remember when you when you posted your Pittsburgh list. Looks like oh yeah, it looks like that was. Oh, you haven't posted uh, your Pittsburgh list. I'll be posting that next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't. Have been. you been traveling through the future again? <laughs> uh, no, I was. Uh, I uh, I found myself on last year's page. Um, but a, a picture who maybe uh, I could be wrong. Who maybe matches that description? Just in terms of the fact that he's received a lot of exposure at a young age, um, is a is a Pittsburgh right-handed prospect, Luis Heredia, Heredia, who I think is just gonna is just entering his age 18 season. I'm curious as to um, as to how knowing what you might know about Martin Perez and the degree to which this can happen to young pitchers, that um, it's possible to become very excited about them uh, when they're quite young. I'm, I'm curious as to how that applies, if it applies at all, to um, to how you uh, look at Luis Heredia and how, um, and how it affects your ranking of Heredia. I think that they're slightly different animals uh, in the fact that Heredia is right-handed. Perez is left-handed. That's not a huge deal. But you get a little bit more excited over a left-hander um, who shows a lot of potential than maybe a right-hander in some in some in some regards because it's so rare to develop those really good left-handed pitchers. But Heredia is is a different animal simply because of his size. So whereas Perez is about six foot, 180 pounds, 190 pounds, somewhere in there. Heredia is already at at the age of 18. He's already six foot six and 200 pounds. So he, the, when you're talking about his future, you don't really have to do as much projecting with him because his body is already so big. You almost have to worry about him not. You have to worry about him getting too big with him, which is a big difference. Now, um, maybe another pitcher that that would. Um... I don't know if he would or not, but figure into this this sort of conversation. And he is a left-hander, uh, a little bit older, um, at least in Heredia, um, is a, a left-hander in the Tampa Bay system, um, a team whose prospect list you recently released, uh, you recently um, released, and that is uh, any any Romero. Any Romero is uh, I guess he's entering his age 22 season, uh, but is known for. Um, according to your report, known for being able to throw his fastball upwards of 97 miles per hour. Now, I'm wondering where any Romero, a player who has not necessarily produced a ton in the way of results, he had a, he had a good um, uh, 2011 season, uh, uh, found uh, found high A ball more challenging last year at 20, uh, um, as a 21-year-old. 20, I'm curious how any, any Romero might fit uh, in this discussion we're having with regard to um, velocity and handedness and youth. Yeah, and he was a difficult guy to rank for myself. He was kind of fluid on the list of exactly where he was going to end up once I started making my phone calls and, and talked to some people who got to see him pitch a, a whole lot. Um, you know, he kind of falls in between Heredia and Perez in, in the body size, whereas he's you know, about six foot three, um, and a, a little bit slender in the fact that uh, he had room to to add some some weight on there. And I've heard that he has been adding some weight on, which is good. Um, he does have really good stuff for a left-hander, um, but he also has control issues, which is something that Heredia and Perez did not have um, to that degree at at a younger age. So he. He definitely has a really high ceiling. 
and it'll be exciting to see if if and when he can uh, sort of learn to control the ball a little bit more. Now, um, let's say in the Rays organization, um, the player that you ranked 14th uh, for Tampa Bay um, was actually one of their top picks in the in the 2011 draft. Uh, Mikey Matuk, I think is, this, is how you pronounce it. Mikey Matuk, something like this. M A H T O O K. I'm told it's Mikey, so Mikey Matuk. Mikey Matuk, and then Matuk is the la- is the last name. Matuk. I believe so. We're yes. saying Matuk. We're saying Matuk. Okay. I believe that's what. Okay. When I when I talked to the organization, I'm pretty sure that's uh, how they pronounced it. Okay. Uh, now here's the thing. Um, he was a first round draft pick, or maybe or maybe just in the uh, over in the sub. He was 31st overall. Is the point. At LSU, um, and yet he's only uh, he's o- only fourteenth for you uh, in the uh, in the Tampa Bay organization, Tampa Bay system among the Tampa Bay prospects. Uh, now, well, I guess I'll ask you first: Does this is this more of a reflection of Matuk's talent or lack thereof, or the sort of impediments to his success as a future major leaguer, or is it a reflection of uh, just the sheer depth of talent in uh, within the Tampa Bay system? I'd say it's probably a little bit of both. The Rays system does have a, a ton of a ton of depth. I tend to prefer to rank arms a little bit higher than hitters in general. So if there are some promising pitchers, I'll, I'll tend to favor them a little bit more than hitters. And with Matuk, there is a little bit of concern that he will sort of top out as a, a quad A hitter because his his offense, the power may not come on strong enough for him to be a prototypical corner outfielder that teams look for, that, that power that they really want from there. Um, the, now, the Rays organization does look at things a lot differently than others, so that could be less of a concern um, for them. But uh, it's one of those things where there's enough question marks that I, I wanted to be a little cautious with them. I'm curious as to what degree, because you know, um, uh, they, they took him uh, 31st overall. The race did. I'm curious as to what degree, if at all, um, you allow a um, the spot, the place in the draft at which uh, the organization took a player. To what degree you allow that to inform your understanding of that same player? Because obviously, if an organization takes a player, um, you know closer to first overall, first round, top half of the first round, whatever, uh, they are sort of telegraphing their optimism with regard to that, that player, um, unless, you know, unless you suspect otherwise that you know, maybe it's for signability purposes, et cetera. Generally speaking, though, and especially the Rays, have, uh, they've been willing to spend in the draft. Um, I'm curious as to what degree you let that inform your understanding of the player and uh, the way you might rank him within that organization. I would say that the the ranking or, or where he's taken in the draft will cause me to give added attention to a player. Um, they'll definitely receive more consideration based on that when I first starting when I first start to do my research and my consideration of where players might fall, especially if it's someone who's in their draft year, they're in their first year of pro ball. Um, they'll definitely be given consideration in that regard, and I'll take that name to certain people and to see what they have to say about them. And then that usually helps me make a final decision based on it. With Matuk, being selected 31st overall, one of the Rays' 
uh, second of three first-round picks that year and second of ten before the second round. So he could have been, I don't want to say a signability pick, but maybe that there was some consideration there. They wanted to go with a little bit more of a proven player uh, with the second pick that they knew wouldn't command a huge a huge uh, signing bonus. Obviously, he, he definitely has tools, and he's one of those players where if everything breaks right, he's going to be a really good ball player. And when you have 10 picks before the second round, you can afford to to take some risk with some of those players, whereas other teams maybe would let him fall a little bit further into the second or third round before they, they took that, that gamble on him. So you think it's a it's a product, uh, or maybe the... The height at which he was taken in the uh, in the draft might, uh, to some degree, be a product of the uh, dare I say plethora of uh, draft picks um, that the Rangers or that the Rays had available to them in that in that draft. I think it could have very well had had a, a chance to be related to that. Now, pre pre draft, he was considered amongst uh, a potential first rounder, so it's not like he came out of nowhere and was one of those. Um, sh- you know, shocking picks that some teams make from time to time. So he he was a legit uh, first rounder or, or close to first rounder. I just think that they definitely saw him as great a great value in that spot. In that they could sign him for a reasonable amount, and he had a chance to really, if everything went the right way. And they have a great great development system. They know what they're they're doing when they develop players, so they really trust themselves in that regard. So they probably saw a great opportunity to increase his value from from the draft. Now, um, a player that actually that the, uh, the, the, the Rays acquired this offseason was uh, Vince Belnome. Um, uh, they, acquired, they acquired Belnome in a trade for the Internet Reveals um, uh, for a left-handed pitcher, Chris Rerick. Does that sound at all familiar? <laughs> we'll take your word for it. Yeah. In any case, here's the, here's the question I want to ask, right? Is um, Vince Belnome was in the San Diego Padres system. Uh, James Darnell is still in the Padres system. Uh, Corey Spangenberg is in the Padres system. And yet, um, now I don't know how much Spangenberg is like, but I know that Darnell and Belnome both uh, have been and probably are still considered to be decent offensive prospects, but without – like a real a real defensive position. I think Darnell's played some third base. I think Belnome's played maybe a little bit of second, played some second, maybe some third base. Um, again, they've they've posted decent offensive numbers, but the um, the, the defense remains a question mark. A, a player who maybe at one time, oh, and this could it would be entirely due to my own uh, misunderstanding of prospect rankings, but maybe at one time would have been placed in that same category was uh, another Padres prospect, uh, third-base prospect, uh, mostly third-base prospect, Jed Jerko. And I believe I'm saying that name correctly. It's Jed with two Ds, J-E-D-D, and then Jerko, G-Y-O-R-K-O. Does that sound – is that a fair pronunciation? I believe you're correct. Okay, yes. Um, now, you, uh, you though, um, seem to have a, a bit more optimism about Jerko than you would – or do, for example, about Darnell, who I think uh, ranks uh, somewhere below 10, maybe uh, 15, actually, in the um, in that system. I, I'm not even sure Belnome uh, made your raise list. I'm not sure um, when that was composed relative to when he was traded. In any case, 
what is it about Jerko that might separate him from some of those names I mentioned um, and uh, that, uh, I guess, distinguishes him as a uh, as, su- as such a, um, uh, um, I guess, a prospect to be watched in, in the Padre system? So he, he definitely has a, a good bat. Uh, he's always produced uh, solid numbers. He's hit for average throughout the minors, and he's shown um, good power. Exactly how much that's going to translate in the majors remains to be seen. Well, one of the problems with the Padres system is that both in their high A ball club and their double A club, they both play in very good hitters leagues. So the hitters tend to get um, maybe a little bit more hype than they deserve at times. And and it's hard to, to really gauge exactly how successful they've been. So you have to be a little cautious and um with any of the, the players that have come through double A AA and triple A recently. Um, now with with Giorco, he he has a little bit more defensive potential than the other two two guys you mentioned. Um, his best position would probably be third base, but with Headley there in the big leagues, he's not going to get a whole whole lot of opportunities there, barring an injury. Um, he doesn't have he doesn't have great range. He doesn't have really quick feet, but he has he's good hand. He handles everything he gets to, and he has a really strong arm. So yeah, he he has solid offensive potential. Um, the tools would suggest that he's going to succeed as much or more than than his minor league numbers would suggest. And he's got a little bit more defensive value than the other guys. Although he's still going to have to work hard to be an average defender at third base, and I personally don't really see second base at the major league level, but if Dan Aguilar can do it, I suppose Jericho can do it. Yeah, I assume that this is uh, uh, this is a thing you could say with some frequency. Yeah, if Dan if Dan Aguilar can do it, then dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would get uh, maybe some teams in trouble. Although second base is sort of a strange position defensively, isn't it, in the sense that um, I could think, you know, with uh, Kelly Johnson, for example, uh, perhaps a younger Martin Prado, if I'm not mistaken, that you see a sort of transition between uh, second base and left field, and in so in in that transition, you see um, quite a bit of concession in the way of r- uh, runs from positional adjustment come. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, that could be a difficult thing, right? Like if a guy can't stick at second base, you, you, there's really not. Uh, another position you can put him in un- until left field if he's not showing the tools for second. Right. Yeah. Tough, tough life. I, that's I know because uh, you may or may not be aware, uh, Mark Hewlett, that I have um, I have considerable uh, I have some feelings for or about uh, um, uh, Corbin Joseph, a quote unquote second base prospect in the New York Yankees system, uh, but there do seem to be concerns about his defense. And uh, it would seem as though after second base, uh, there's really not a lot of places he could go besides left field. It's true. It's true. And, uh, yeah, I have heard of your Corbin Joseph love, and I I would suggest that you'd be better off uh, (laughs) getting your man crush on someone, uh, you know, a B-level guy like David Adams instead, but, you know, to each his own. Where's Oh, David Adams, he's also in the Yankee system, is that right? He is also in the Yankee system, yeah. And he's he's an even better he's actually a better prospect than Corbin Joseph. I personally would prefer um, okay. having seen them both 
play, I prefer um, the potential of Adams a little bit more. I think he moves around the diamond a little bit better. Let's talk about more athletic. Let's stay. Uh, you've uh, slighted oh, one of my guys, so we're going <laughs> to move on. Uh, let's do. Uh, this is actually another one of my guys, also in the Padre system. Um, I uh, I was maybe a little bit surprised, but in, uh, because I trust you implicitly, Mark Hewlett, uh, to make reasoned decisions. Um, I'm curious about your opinion on the matter. Um, Robbie Erlin. Robbie Erlin uh, is the is a left-hander, I believe, uh, starting pitcher who was acquired by the Padres in the Mike Adams deal uh, that also netted them Joe uh, Wieland, I guess. Maybe Wieland, probably Wieland. I believe it's Wieland. Yeah, or we'll say Wieland for now. Um, which uh, I guess in the in retrospect is a is a move that worked out for both clubs insofar as uh, the Rangers made it to the World Series, uh, and that's a good that's a good place to make it to. Um, but Robbie Erlin has uh, absolutely dominated wherever he's been. I mean, to the extent that you can. Uh, but maybe is known uh, for lacking something in the way of raw stuff. Uh, can you give us a sense of what what uh, makes Erlen seventh for you in, within the Padres organization, and uh, what concerns you might have in my guess, which that uh, ranking would imply? Sure. So again, he's a he's another young guy who, similar to Perez, put up some really good numbers in the low minors, and maybe got people a little too excited once again uh, with those kind of numbers. Uh, a left-handed pitcher who can command the ball and put it where he wants to, is, is going to dominate short season and A-ball hitters. So double-A, triple-A, those are the real tests for these guys. Erlin is one of those guys I, I really want to love, and I get kind of excited about him because, you, you know, you look at his numbers and then, you know, you start digging a little bit further and you, you watch him pitch. And he's he's a good pitcher, but when you watch him pitch, he's just not an elite pitcher when you watch him he's a very good pitcher he could have some seasons in the big leagues where he pitches like a number three guy but i think he's going to end up more as a number four he's got a you know three or four pitch repertoire he's got a you know fastball that tops out around 91 92 miles an hour which is perfectly fine for a lefty he does have some deception in his delivery um, which allows the fastball to play up a little bit look a little bit faster at times um but, you know, his size is a problem, too. And in one of the games I saw him he that I mentioned in the write-up, he struck out the first six guys of the game, and a couple of them were really favorable calls. But he struck out the first six guys in the game and then just completely gassed and and looked like, you know, he was at any moment going to get pulled from the game. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that his size is a problem. I'm looking at his, uh, his Fangraphs um, profile right now, his player page of Fangraphs. And, in fact, uh, uh, we list his height at six feet and his weight at zero. Uh, so that's uh, that does not sound safe to me. I don't know if he has some sort of growth deficiency. Eating disorder. Yeah, zero pounds is uh, that's too few. I think we could both agree. I'm not. I mean, I'm not a prospect analyst uh, like yourself, Mark Hewlett, but I do know uh, the humans who are zero pounds are. Uh, that's a tough. That's going to be a tough go. It would be. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of young prospects, do we have one? Is there one in the background there uh, for you? Uh, there, my my son appears to be having quite a good time uh, in in the next room. Okay, and it's a good time though. He's not he's not uh, he's not upset with anything. I think he's excited that spring training is starting in a few days. Yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, his excitement and his mad kind of sounds the same. Sometimes it kind of blends together. Yes. But um, I'm pretty sure he's happy right now. Okay, that's fair. And how old is uh, this gentleman? Uh, he is six months. Oh, he's six months. That's very young. Yes. Very young. Yeah. Um, have you uh, have you started at all uh, pressuring him in, the, in only the way that dads can uh, to take up the sport that you care about so much? Um, well, most of my children have uh, little stuffed baseballs that say "Baby's First uh, Baby's First Baseball." Okay. So, um, and uh, they both have baseball sleepers. And, What's a sleeper uh, like? A thing that in which, like a like a a, a one piece. Uh, yeah, a onesie. We would pajamas. call it a, a onesie, yeah. maybe. Oh yeah, it's a onesie, but it's when it's for nighttime, it's usually called a sleeper. Oh okay, all right. I, I believe that that carries over even into the you know you Americans. But, uh, do you use the word pram? Do you use the word pram as well? Uh, I thought that was like a baby carrier, like a baby. Yeah, it is. Luggage. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. pram to describe because we we pram. say a stroller, I guess. Do you say stroller or pram? We do say no. We say stroller. You I, don't I say pram. Pram would be British. Yeah, I know. I can't tell the difference sometimes. <laughs> you know, listen. Let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you one further question. I, um, so let me tell you. Uh, you have uh, almost entirely fulfilled your obligation to Fangraphs Audio. So congratulations. Um, Thank you. Now, uh, as you know, with regard to your son, uh, spring training does begin soon. Um, we're maybe, uh, what are we, uh, uh, two weeks away at this point, something like that? I think it's, uh, I think it starts next week, actually. I think it's for some pitchers and catchers, it's like four or five days away. Sure, yes, I, I would agree with that. I would also say that uh, maybe in terms of games, uh, competitive, uh, games, competitive yes. games, competitive games, yeah. competitive games, yeah. Let's, uh, but now, in between uh, the beginning of those competitive spring training games and now, uh, in between is uh, the start of the college season, um, and uh, of course uh, it's, uh, it's no uh, no surprise for me to say that um, you know college uh, college players make up a you know a fair portion of the players that will be drafted in uh, in the twenty or taking the twenty thirteen draft. Um, they make up, therefore, a fair portion of the prospects uh, that you will one day be considering uh, at the professional level, or at least among affiliated uh, professional levels. Uh, I'm curious to, uh, to what degree um, watching college baseball, though, or to what degree you get excited about watching it, what, what that what that means for you. Uh, to be honest, I, I don't really pay too much attention to college baseball until probably May when the, you know, the draft really starts to heat up. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in uh, being in Canada, I don't uh, have much access to to see much college baseball played. It is a frigid place. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is a frigid place. Yeah. And, uh, you don't see many players drafted at a, a University of Western Ontario, so. Um, Which I consider a form of racism. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> if it's good enough for the NFL, it should be good enough for Major League Baseball. That's right. Now listen. Um, uh, um, recently, uh, Baseball America, who uh, they, they cover this sort of thing very well, um, uh, released uh, Aaron uh, Aaron Fit released his uh, top 25 list, top 25 teams, and uh, there were a couple names on there that, that were interesting to me. One of them is, uh, and I'm curious as to whether you have any thoughts on him. Uh, he's a right-hander for Arkansas. I, I had the opportunity to see him pitch last year during the College World Series, and make and even make some gifts of his uh, appetizing slider. His name's Ryan Stanek, again a right-hander for Arkansas. I'm curious. Uh, you can you can have zero thoughts on him so far if you want, but I'm curious if you do have any. 
Um, at this point, I don't have too many thoughts on him other than I've heard that he has a lot of potential and is a, you know, could go in the first five uh, picks of the draft. Yeah, I've heard something like that too. Of course, Mark Appel, I, I think we're saying Appel these days, uh, was drafted last year. He'll be a senior this year at Stanford. That's interesting. And then uh, one pitcher who really um, uh, really distinguished himself, and this sometimes happens, uh, by means of his Cape League performance. Of course, the, the Cape Cod League. Um, in, on Cape Cod, in Cape Cod, I guess on Cape Cod we use the uh, we use that preposition. On Cape Cod, uh, really did distinguish himself uh, this summer. Uh, um, there on the Cape, Sean Manaya of Indiana State has uh, also uh, maybe moved himself up the ranks. Have you heard any? Uh, is there is there first round talk with regard to Manaya? Uh, I believe he has uh, top ten potential. Top ten potential. Uh, last I heard, anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I, I know that last year, at around the same time, I um, I subscribed just for a month to uh, CBS Sports, uh, whatever dot com or whatever it is. Uh, they have a they have a service called ULive. Uh, it's like all college uh, broadcasting, and um, th- uh, through that service, you can watch uh, any number of college games. I, d- I don't know necessarily what their first weekend schedule is like, um, but uh, that 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 will be interesting. I know also um, that when I, that uh, when I'm in uh, Arizona, of course, you're going to be in Arizona too, uh, Mark Hewlett. I don't know if you're going to be there third, but on the third, Arizona State is playing New Mexico, uh, and New Mexico apparently has one of uh, has one of the country's top hitters in uh, in uh, junior third baseman DJ Peterson, uh, which sounds like it could be fun. But are you are you going to be there then? Uh, March third. March thirteenth. Sorry. Thirteenth. Uh, when do I fly in? I believe I fly in on the fourteenth. No, fourteenth. You'll miss it. Uh, I don't know if you've heard anything about DJ Peterson, uh, but uh, uh, but put up uh, quite uh, an exciting season last year, especially in light of the uh, the new bat technology, which of course. Uh, has uh, taken away some of the uh, the uh, absurd offensive numbers that you find in college baseball. Yeah, he, he's another guy I don't know too much about, other than the you know the early hype as you alluded to. Um, uh, again, I'll know more starting in May. Yeah, well, sorry, I can't resist the hype, Hewitt. <laughs> I'm just a I'm a simple man, and uh, you know I only have uh, I, I don't have so many defenses, so they um, that's I admit it. I admit it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So now you have officially fulfilled uh, your uh, obligation. Unless you have anything to add, do you have anything to add, Hewlett? I, I don't think I could cover it any better than you could, Curse. Okay. Good. Well, uh, we'll go take care of your child, I guess, uh, and uh, you know, do what uh, I don't know what parents do, but I guess do that. And uh, I'll say this: I'll say thank you, uh, thank you for joining uh, me and us on Fangraphs Audio. Thanks, Carson. All right. That has been prospect analyst. And the author of our uh, organizational top 15 list, Mark Hewlett. Uh, I have been and will continue to be Carson Stooley, and this has been Fangraphs Audio.